plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello, Power Partners. Welcome to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. This is our playground of power. We are so happy that you have joined us today, and we have a great show for you. In segment one, we're going to be talking about the drought uh, in the West and how we can design our gardens for it, drought preparation, because days of heat followed by days of near freezing cold. I mean, out of nowhere, we're hoping for rain, but we want our gardens to survive and thrive, so we need to design for the drought. And then mystery writer Gerald Everett Jones is going to join us in segment two with his third book and the award-winning Evan Wycliffe mystery series. It's called Preacher Raises the Dead. And it's really a, a very fun, um, fun mystery about an agno- agnostic minister who visits the sick and dying during the pandemic. So it is pandemic related. And the saying goes that only two certainties are in life, and those are death and taxes. But many people fear taxes even more than dying. So we are will be talking about how businesses are ramping up for taxes because tax season is here. In 2021, 3.6 million Americans filed IRS paperwork to start a new business, but there are tax ramifications and we'll look into them so that you will know what to do. Well, the miracle moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are charity. You can visit Be The Star You Are at bethestarur.org. And the quote is from Abram Maslow. If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything you see looks like a nail. Does that make sense? Does that stimulate any thought for you? Well, we are coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. And again, Star Style, Be the Star You Are is brought to you uh, under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity, which starting this Saturday is offering a free virtual writing workshop for ages 9 to 14 taught by our award-winning teen writer, Ruhani Shabra. And if you visit bethestarur.org or btsya.org, you uh, would just click on the writing workshop and it'll send you to the information page and you could just sign up for free. So it's really going to be an exciting time. It's four weeks um, for both ages on Saturdays, and uh, she has won so many awards, including a New York Times essay award out of 11,000 entrants worldwide. So pretty exciting that she will be teaching this writing course, and um, we are proposing to post uh, many of the writing samples that come out of the course if, if people are interested. So designing for drought. Well, The weather forecasts sunshine or cloud cover, 
but it hasn't had any rain here in, in California since um, the first week of January in our area of California. Now, I just read the weather report, and we're supposed to get a couple sprinkles tomorrow, but who knows if that's going to happen. According to the New York Times, the seven hottest years on record globally were experienced in the last seven years. That's kind of scary. The seven hottest years on record globally experienced in the last seven years. Now, the atmospheric river uh, that we had in December, it provided a respite and a hopeful prospect for drought relief. But January, February, and so far in March, uh, which are traditionally the wettest, wettest months of all here in California, um, January and February were the driest in years, and March isn't looking much better. Now, this is, March, as you know, is the month of St. Patrick's Day. So I'm hoping that the Irish leprechauns were going to exert their magical powers, and maybe they'll make it rain now or before St. Patrick's Day, at least. But how can you design for drought? Because as I gaze upon my treat, treat my peach tree blossoms that are intermingled with crab apple buds and they're blooming just much too early. I have to admit that I have been basking in this early spring. Although I am, you know, I'm an eternal optimist, as you all know, and I always imagine positive outcomes. But if we want our gardens to survive and thrive, we need to design for the drought. And so here's how you can get started to be ready for whatever transpires as the months move forward. Check for leaks. Make sure that your outside pipes are insulated against any freezing. Water expands when it freezes and that can cause pipes to burst. And even a tiny one eighth of an inch crack could spew over 250 gallons of water per day. Now, if you witness wet spots or water running along driveways or puddles, investigate for a leak. You want to check all your hose bibs for drips. You want to replace washers and routinely inspect automatic sprinklers and connections. The second thing is amend the soil. The foundation of every garden is the soil and the ideal soil drains quickly while storing water. So for drought toleration, you can add several inches of rich organic compost to encourage deep root formation while trapping moisture. And you can make your compost by adding kitchen scraps, eggshells, coffee grinds, tea leaves, shredded newspaper, leaves, lawn clippings, fish bones, aged manure, and non-diseased weeds, or any other organic matter to a bin or a pile. You don't want to use any human dog or cat feces. And don't disturb the lower levels of the ground because you want to allow worms and microbacteria to do their jobs of aerating and feeding the earth. And in a drought, double and triple digging techniques are not recommended. Now, water well. To stay healthy, most plants need at least an inch of moisture per week. And the best way to save your plants as well as conserve water is to water deeply and infrequently. The penetration of the water encourages deeper roots that are more resistant to drought conditions. And a good rule of thumb is to water until the dirt has a hint of shine. Lawns and bedding plants require a drink to a depth of six inches 
while perennials, trees, and shrubs need closer to 12. So plan to irrigate very early in the morning or later in the evening when absorption will be maximized and evaporation is minimized. And just as humans rejuvenate from a good night's rest, plants do most of their growing at night. So traditional overhead sprinklers can lose half of their effectiveness to evaporation, runoff, and overspray. So drip soaker hoses are the best bets for deep soaking to the root zone. And soaker hoses could be covered with mulch and that makes them invisible. And when water is restricted, you want to prioritize the rationing by watering first newly planted trees, shrubs, and perennials. Second would be newly seeded or repaired lawns. Third would be plants with exposure on windy sites or in sandy soils. And lastly, flowering vegetables. The next thing is mulch. Three inches of mulch will insulate your plants from the heat, the cold, and the elements. Mulch keeps the ground cooler. It maximizes water retention. It reduces all evaporation, and it really improves the appearance of your landscape. Mulch includes pine needles, straw, leaves, wood chips, bark, and even gravel. And what I did this last year is I used some shredded newspaper and I uh, also some cardboard to put down to keep the weeds down and then it decomposes. So as all of this decomposes, it becomes compost and then it enriches the soil. And when that happens, it's probably time for a new top layer of the mulch of your choice. Now weeds steal moisture and nutrition from neighboring plants. So pull or cut down unwanted weeds. And then stop fertilizing. If you plan to fertilize this season, do it now while the weather is cool and do as a parent because feeding while it's raining is the best prescription for plant wellness. If you fertilize without sufficient water, the roots are going to burn and the plants are going to die. So fertilizing encourages new growth and new growth will stress your already stressed specimens. So as the weather warms, you want to refrain from fertilizing again until there's going to be some rain. Now, plant for drought. I'm a real big believer in bulbs. And in our temperate climate, you can dig a hole, plant, forget, and then be odd when the bulbs pop up and bloom. Daffodils, calla lilies, freesia, hyacinths, Dutch iris, many others, they're all excellent spring-blooming bulbs that require minimal care, and they'll reach huge bloom benefits. And for summer flowering, you could plant gladiolas and naked ladies and agapanthus and Asian lilies and begonias dahlias, iris, canna, and of course, don't forget the succulents. They offer a magnificent maintenance-free drought investment, and they come in many shapes, sizes, and colors with beautiful blooms and little water requirements. Sedums are spectacular as ground covers or upright attracting bees and butterflies. Jade, Echeveria, Senecio, Aconium, ice plant, they all have varied textures and attractive flowers. And unlike cactus, succulents don't have thorns. So making them a favorite for rock gardens. And then don't forget to plant the edibles. A small four foot by eight foot bed can be planted with plenty of nutritious vegetables and herbs to feed a family of four. Decide what you enjoy eating. Plant only those to avoid watering vegetables that you won't consume. So surrounding me now is plenty of sunshine, and um, within, I feel sunny and bright, yet I am counting on the luck of the Irish to bring a lot of Emerald Isle precipitation to the shores of California. 
this St. Patty's Day. And in case there isn't that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, I am following my own advice and designing for drought. Well, when we come back from break, we will be talking to our author, Gerald Everett Jones, with the third book in his series, The Evan Wycliffe Mystery, Preacher Raises the Dead. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Stay with me because this will be fun. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR, 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. Are you a teenager with lots to say, but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel. And join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling Well, the power now begins. Thank you so much for staying with me. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and you're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel, and I am so excited to welcome our guest, mystery writer Gerald Everett Jones, a freelance writer from California. This is the third book in his Evan Wycliffe mystery that we'll be talking about today, Preacher Raises the Dead, and he has won several book awards. He also hosts his own um, his own radio show, too, on Get Published. So, hello, Gerald. How are you? And thank you for coming to Star Style. Be the star you are. Well, I'm just peachy here on the left coast, <laughs> Cynthia, just a few blocks from the beautiful Pacific Ocean. Oh, my gosh. So you're in Santa Monica, aren't you? Yes, so, yes, yes. 
You know, I've, I, I have to say that I have just been dying to see the ocean this whole pandemic. I haven't. And it's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you know, even through the pandemic, uh, the the beach was pretty much open in the beginning. A um, couple of years back, uh, they were trying to discourage I don't know volleyball and whatever, yeah, but that that didn't things. that didn't last very long. People still went to the beach, right? I mean, it's hard to keep people away from the beach. Well, let's get to your book. Um, I, I before I started, there was something that just really grabbed me because I really love the fact that you have written about a minister who kind of doubts his faith. He's rather agnostic. But you had a line in your book that just jumped out at me. And it it said, but for anyone who has ever grasped even a hint of faith, life without it is a horror. (laughs) And I thought that was such a a really such a superb sentence. What gave you the idea to even start this series? Well, you know, the very first book in this, this is the third book in the series, and they don't necessarily yes, need to be read book. in, in right. sequence, but the very first book in the series was Preacher Finds a Corpse. And that actually came from a, was inspired by, let's say, uh, a, uh, an incident in my own family, uh, which my ancestors are from southern Missouri, uh, around Appleton City, where I've set this series. Oh, so you really know that area? Cause well, was- you know, it's it's been years and years since I've been back, and it's interesting because I, I, you know, I watch this series Ozark on Netflix, and I, <laughs> oh my- that I don't. There's a lot that I don't recognize, but uh, you know, <laughs> my, my my family they were they were farm people and. Uh, pretty much uh, German and Swiss immigrants um, from the uh, 19th century. Mm-hmm. And so they were homesteaders and, and they got kicked out of their houses during the Civil War and, you know, all those kinds of things. Anyhow, uh, my uncle did uh, kill himself in his early 50s. Oh. And, and it had to do, as near as the family can tell, with something of a land dispute in that area and it's if you if you're talking about old farmland you've not only got the difficulties of the fact that that was a no man's land during the civil war and agreements were handshakes between mm-hmm. farmers but also before that you had the osage indians and <laughs> you know the the uh, the government said well we own all this and then they drove everybody to oklahoma That's right, right. Uh, so so that was this the core mystery of I, I have evan finding his best friend his best friend's corpse in a cornfield and but, it looks um, like questioning whether it is they say it's suicide but questioning right, right. whether and it's it looks very much like that and the thing is that the the uh, the sheriff is very quick to co- close the case you know he he he's understaffed and uh, he's got all the evidence he needs and, and but Evan is wondering okay well m- number one I don't think Bob was necessarily in the mindset to do this but number two um, who's going to benefit is, is it possible that somebody actually drove him to it now that's not necessarily mm-hmm. murder but it's certainly a sin mm-hmm. so but the other thing that's kind of I'd say I, I don't know what I'd say unique but. Evan is at the beginning of the series something of a dropout. He he left divinity school after he got his degree, did not want to pursue the ministry, 
went into advanced physics, astrophysics at MIT, thought he was going to get answers that way about all the big questions. Right. <laughs> Didn't get answers either place, not in seminary, not in physics class. And then he started and, and, chasing after people who didn't pay their bills for cars, right? Well, when, Car he, when, when he came back to Southern Missouri, uh, there wasn't really much work to do. And of course, you know, in farmland these days, you know, the conglomerates have bought up the productive land that's there and the, the market, uh, you know, the, the corn market is usually overproduced and uh, everybody's producing soybeans and, you know, it's just very competitive, very difficult to get work. So yes, he works as a part-time guest preacher for the Baptist church and sometimes gets paid. And, and he's working as a skip tracer for the local car dealer, the local Ford dealership, um, because he's something of a data driller, you know, he, he I knows have never to... heard that, that, um, Skip Tracer. I had never heard of well, that how, as a profession. This is this is somebody who tracks down missing persons, uh, people who have uh, skipped uh, on yeah, their obligation. Yeah, kind of a sleuth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, he's in. He's an amateur sleuth. That's that's the the beauty of this whole. You know, the engine that drives this whole series. But the idea of a, uh, a skip tracer has actually changed quite a bit in the last uh, couple of decades, because it used to be a skip tracer was kind of an amateur private eye. I mean, they're, they're, they're professional, but you know, they're, they would, they would be knocking on doors and spying on people and, you know, just trying to dig up anything they could. These days, basically, you don't have to leave your desk to find just about anybody. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's really all. Right. It's right there. It's right at yeah, the yeah. of and, a and, computer. And, and, you know, we might all try to uh, to preserve our privacy in whatever ways, but uh, we are much more detectable uh, simply as a as a community and as a nation than we used to be. So, um, yes, that's how he starts out. And what happens is, and this is this is the genre that you would call amateur sleuth is that people tend to come to him in this small town with their problems because people in authority and, and other uh, people who might be in positions of responsibility simply don't have any interest in solving them. So, especially in the second book, uh, which is Preacher Fakes a Miracle, Evan befriends uh, a couple of uh, misfit teenagers. One is a young man who has been diagnosed with schizophrenia and the other is his girlfriend who actually has epilepsy and both of them are accused by some people in this small community as being possessed by demons well heaven knows enough to know that that's not the case he befriends them but but you know by getting them good care by paying attention to them and and get getting them back on track he gets a reputation as a faith healer which is something something he's got to live down. So here going into the third book, we have COVID just breaking out. And the milestone event that happens besides COVID is that the the aging minister of the Baptist church, Marcus Thurston, um, African-American, the the wise man of the town, (laughs) decides it's time for him to retire. So he tells Evan, you know, you're a guest preacher. I don't know anybody else who can do this. Evan, I know you don't want this job, but you got to step up to it. 
So here Evan is, he's a full-time minister, and one of the things he realizes is, I've got to visit the sick and the dying. I've got to host weddings and, oh my God, funerals. And so in the very first pages of, of this book, he go, he's been requested to visit a, 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 a woman who has been hospitalized, long-term care with, with dementia. And before he can get to her hospital room, he's advised she's had a heart attack and passed away. And the nurse, come, the nurse, the, the charge nurse comes out, confronts him and says, and he says, I, I guess I'm too late. And she says, well, actually, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you're not. She's, she's just come back. <laughs> and so um, with, at the risk of, you know, too many spoilers, the, Evan gets involved and, you know, uh, well, number one, she was gone much longer than, than, than after she was declared uh, clinically dead. Right. So, so what's up with that? I mean, is, is this physically possible? And, you know, did, what does she have to say about it? Did, did angels bear her to her rest? Did she encounter relatives? Did she see a white light? So, I mean, I'll leave all these as open questions, but, you know, this is Well, not... I have a question, Gerald, yes, for yes. you. First of all, what made you decide to make um, Evan a preacher? Because well, preacher's you know, the first my word background, you, I mean, did, my, did that just come to you or what was that? Well, they say, write what you know. I mean, I, this is my, this is my 12th novel and I've, I've written about young men chasing girls and I, I kind of knew something about that. That was a series, right. a satire series. And I, I wrote about, uh, some his, uh, historical mystery about, uh, scandal in a famous, um, artwork in the gilded age and i i knew something of art history so I, that, that's one of the reasons i wrote about that and i wrote mr ballpoint about the guy who invented the ballpoint pen because i'd actually worked for the grandson of that guy and he told me the story over a couple of drinks i said this has got to be a book that's uh, fun but actually i i was raised as a southern baptist now i guess you'd say You'd either say I'm a new thought practitioner or I'm a profound I don't knowist. Maybe I guess I'm, you know, like Evan. Mm -hmm. But I I was a student minister in in my teenage years briefly. Oh, I did well, a, so you I, truly know about this. Yeah, no, I did a lot of Bible study and and my father was a Sunday school teacher and also then became in his later years a genealogist. So he was digging into all this family history from that part of the world. So I knew a lot about the Swiss German immigrants and and the um, and, and as I say, the land disputes around the Civil War and and some of the local lore. And then of course also when I grew up I was I grew up in Kansas City. I wasn't a farm boy, but uh, my grandparents would take me down to the farm on weekends when my parents wanted to rest. Me and my brother, we go down and, you know, we were taught to hunt, taught to fish, you know, rode on the backs of uh, horses and sheep. And uh, we, you know, we were when we were walking down my great aunt's sidewalk, we were uh, uh, advised to avoid the duck shoe polish <laughs> because there were there were ducks all over and ducks and chickens all over her, mm -hmm. her lawn. So I knew a lot about Appleton City, Rockville area. You know, Rockville is. Um, what they call a one silo town. Butler is a two, two silo town. Is there really a town called Pecu Peculiar? There absolutely is. There and, is. 
And I did not know. And it, it was fun setting a lot of the story in Peculiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did research that. I was actually, I in the second book, I had to have Evan go up to an assisted living center. And there really is one there that I, that actually where some of my uh, relatives had been treated, uh, John Knox Village, which has changed somewhat since then, but it's in Lee's Summit. Well, if you draw a straight line between Appleton City in the south and Lee's Summit in the north, you have to pass through this town on the interstate, peculiar. (laughs) That is peculiar. (laughs) It turns (laughs) out that the people didn't actually want it named Peculiar. This was, again, during the 19th century, the settlers. But the postmaster wrote to Washington, D.C., to the postmaster general and said, we need a new name for our city. How about, and I, I think the name he wanted was Excelsior, something like that. Postmaster wrote back uh, and said, Excelsior's been taken, what else? <laughs> and so the Postmaster Peculiar wrote back and said, anything that's really unique. <laughs> so the Postmaster and peculiar. Named it peculiar. And so that worked. <laughs> that worked. Well, what about Stuart Shackleton? Is he based on any particular character? I mean, definitely a shady character. Well, he's certainly an amalgam. I mean, he's an adversary. I, I suppose you would. I don't know that you can call him an evil man so much as a as a greedy man, greedy a land man. grabber, an mm-hmm. opportunist, uh, because he's not he's not an indecent fellow, although he sometimes has murderous urges. I you know uh, we 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 do we do need uh, people who don't wear white hats in these books. But Shackleton is an investment banker, and he's from the town of Rich Hill, which is very close. And the thing that's very interesting about Rich Hill is most of the wealth in which in Rich Hill comes from coal mining. Mm-hmm. The Peabody Coal Company has pretty much dominated that area. And as a result, a lot of the capital that funds buying your tractor, your combine, refinancing your farm comes out of that area. So it was really irresistible to make Stu Shackleton, a, um, you know, a financier. And then also, of course, it, you know, if you're looking at what investment bankers do these days, he's working side by side with developers who, you know, okay, the, 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 the interesting that thing that's happening in that area and the, um, the model for it, you might say is Branson, the city of Branson, which is somewhat further South, um, not on the Lake of the Ozarks, but on another uh, another another lake. But Branson is, if if you don't know, is something of Nashville South. The Grand Ole Opry has a branch there, and there are now casinos and there are water sports. And the f- fact that the Appleton City area, where my stories are located, are very close to Truman Lake and the Lake of the Ozarks, which kind of come up against each other. They are, and they both flow into the Mississippi River. But those are both man-made lakes that the Lake of the Ozarks is well on its way to being another Branson. There are casinos there and water sports. Uh, just like just like in on the TV series, right? Exactly. Well, yeah, and the TV series has got um, 
you know, laundering, laundering Mexican mob right. money. Mob. And I, I don't have, I don't have uh, Mexican bad, bad actors in this. I, I, in the second book in the series, I do have some um, Russian oligarchs who are mm-hmm. somewhat. Um, that are perhaps, all in the news right now. Well, well you yeah, do talk they're, about they're, Russia. You do talk, uh, I mean, it, you do talk about um, Russia a little bit here in this one um, yeah. saying, well, I don't want to, Never mind. I'm not going to give the, I'm not going to give that away. <laughs> if you're just joining us, we're talking to Gerald Everett Jones. He is the author of the Evan Wycliffe mystery series. And this is the third book in the series called Preacher Rages the Dead. But he's also the author of 12 other novels, all different different kinds. So we're just figuring out and discussing, you know, how he comes up with the characters. And so much of it is of family history and family lore. I, I did read, uh, Gerald, that when you sit down to write, this was a kind of a different experience for you in writing this series, because you used to write actually more technical and business nonfiction for publishing houses. And in these books, the characters kind of come to you. Were you writing this one during the beginning of COVID, during the beginning of the pandemic, or is when did you start this one? I had started the series, let's see, the series is about four years old. And this particular book, I actually began to write it after COVID broke out. And I wasn't really sure, it's a, it's an interesting challenge for fiction writers these days about whether you incorporate COVID in the plot. Mm-hmm. And I, I I saw some reviews the other day of other books. They were, they were calling them lockdown books because the COVID was very much at the center of the plot. Mm-hmm. And there was something of the, some comments in the review were saying, well, who really wants to read about that? And okay, I can understand that. But one of the things that I began to realize was that if you were writing a book, if you were living in France in the midst of World War II during the German occupation, and you didn't talk about that, I don't understand. You'd be living on another planet. Yeah, no, I think it's important to talk about it. So it's organic to our lives. And and actually, you know, I've, I'm working on another book now. It's, it's, the next book is not in this series, but it does begin uh, also during COVID. And now it looks as though the plot's going to go through the, um, the Ukrainian invasion. So the question is, how much of that is, you know, by the, by the, by the time that book is released, whether it's this summer or in the fall will that be a will that war still be going on uh, and that that's a that's a consideration you know that that's something for um yeah the that has to be figured into the plot for sure but yes now, when i write the mysteries writing uh, fiction um for yourself because i really wanted to figure i wanted to hear from you how the characters show up in your life because they it sounds like they're writing themselves that sometimes you don't even know who's going to show up like from book one to book two to book three they very much are they very much do you know i i put them on the stage and then they say what they want to say and they go where they want to go and i didn't always write this way i did um 
especially when I wrote business books, I wrote to outlines, strict outlines, and I had supervising editors, and I had to ask permission if I wanted to change anything. But especially uh, with these this, these later mysteries, I have tried as much as possible not to know in the beginning what's going to happen on a step-by-step basis. Now, I might I might have a sense of where I want to begin, what I what I want to jump into. For example, this near-death experience episode. I had read about that in my research, and the the episode that I describe is fictionalized, and some of the facts are changed, but it, it's really it's it's really inspired by that episode. It by something that really happened that was really quite amazing the way it went down. And that's why I thought it was an intriguing scene, if if you will. So, but, and I might know where I want the book to kind of end up, although in this one, I didn't. Um, and I like to surprise myself. I, I was just going to ask that question. Was it fun to be surprised or is it also a little scary? Because no, I, not, I, not I sure. try every way I can to be surprised and my rules are always make when I come to a any kind of dramatic decision it's always make the interesting choice try to make the unexpected choice mm, I like that that and is- try to have that choice have consequences if not serious consequences because and this is one of the things actually I learned from our good friend Dan Brown, the author, I, I, I don't know him personally, but I did take his master class. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he said that was really very helpful was, uh, and, and I, you know, he has a reputation as, you know, writing page turner novels. And the, I had assumed that the way that he that he was going to describe, oh, okay, this is how you back him into a room and you start flooding it with water and there's no way out. Because I mean, he has written things like that, mm-hmm. physical jeopardy. Right, right. And what I found was he said not at all what I expected. What he said was the way, way to write a page turner is to just keep making promises to the reader. And I thought, promises? And then he explained that, you know, at the end of a chapter, don't just tie it off like the end of a short story. Don't put that period in, you know, in that drama. Always make sure that there's some questions, some something else. And the minute you resolve a question, make sure that that resolution triggers half a dozen other questions. Because the reason that people would want to turn the page, your reader, your beloved readers want to turn that page is they want to find out what's next. What's next? Just like you the want, cliffhanger. You want, you, want, you, want to, you want to intrigue them with, you know, that. Th- this feels familiar, but I, that's never quite happened that way before. I mean, I read about something like this in the paper, but I, not like this. So what happens this time? So, and there's an old saying I used to I used to write um, educational films, and my my producer boss had a saying. He said, "Everybody wants a new idea that stood the test of time." <laughs> That's a good so, one. You know, Isn't that it's true? Like, it's like we're little children. We want because to there are no new ideas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. T- tell me a bedtime story. Well, you know, 
how about the three bears? Oh, I've heard that. No, you haven't heard it. <laughs> you haven't well, heard it. I haven't it. heard it this way. <laughs> so, so, uh, so you are you're really a prolific writer. So what is next for you as far as um, writing? Do you have something else in the works now? I hesitate to say I'm about a third of the way through the next one. In terms of page count, I am. Well, but know. we know there, there's so much editing. I, I have authored eight books and I'm actually writing the children's <laughs> yes. book right now. Well, and I don't and, know where this one's turning out. I, 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 I don't know how it's turning out at all. But no, this one is called Jonathan's Journal. And it's about a shut in, uh, a, a fellow who is something of an introvert, doesn't have too many relationships in his life. And it's the beginning of COVID and he's got to stay in. And he has, as I have, uh, an antique journal that was in his mother's estate. And th this is true. I have an antique journal that was in my mother's estate. It is handwritten from the year 1918. Oh, and so it turns fabulous. out it turns out that it is the diary of a British soldier during World War II who was assigned of all places, to the Middle East. Now, I don't know about you, but I was never taught that World War II had anything to do with the Middle East, yeah. much less. Are you talking about World War II or World War One? No, I'm talking about World War One. Did I say World War Two? Yeah, you, you've been saying World War Two, and you said 1918. So no, no, I think for, we have to be World War One. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, you you got a gold star on that one for me. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Can, you. I'm you can a skip good the listener. pop quiz this week. I'm a good listener. <laughs> No, but yes, World War One, and I had no idea that that the British Army was anywhere near the Middle East in World War One, much less that their that their troop assignments extended all the way over to India. And it turns out that the British were not only concerned that the Germans were going to go build a railroad to Baghdad and bypass their beloved Suez Canal. But they also were afraid that the Russians were going to come down through Afghanistan and establish a beachhead on the Indian Ocean so that they, you know, the my seventh grade history teacher always said, remember, Russia covets warm water ports. And that actually totally explains what our good friend Mr. Putin is doing uh, these days, because Sebastopol, which is one of his largest submarine nuclear submarine bases, is in the Crimea at the tip of the Crimea in the Black Sea. And also, where is our good friend Mr. Putin's uh, palatial home? On the Black Sea. <laughs> you know, it is a, it, that is their access to the Mediterranean and the Suez Canal and the, you know, the uh, the Gulf of, of Basra and, and uh, all that, the Indian Ocean, the, uh, the uh, access to, sea access to India, the Far East, and As Gerald, I have to, I have to, unfortunately, um, we have to cut there and give out your website because I'm running out of time oh here. My, I've my. already gone over so oh. much time just having such a great conversation. But let me give out your website, um, GeraldEverettJones.com. The name of this book is Preacher Raises the Dead. You heard he's got a new book in the works, which we'll have to just kind of wait and see what happens <laughs> <laughs> since I, I'm not letting him tell anymore. But Gerald, thank you so much for coming on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, uh, and best of success with uh, with this preacher. And I'm sure you'll probably have another 
another one in the works for this as well. There's a free book on the website. I do appreciate your mentioning it. That'll get them started in the series. And you can find Gerald also on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, and of course, Get Published. We never even talked about Get Published Radio. So in any case, getpublishedradio.com. Well, thank you, Gerald, for being on Star Style. Uh, You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, Gerald's book again, Preacher Raises the Dead. I will be right back with a business bite, and then we'll have something on taxes quickly. So don't go away. Cynthia, you're lovely. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. boss and you have unhappy underachieving employees you know the problem may be you here are a few ideas to help you be a great boss be a role model set the pace for your company talk regularly about job performance with your employees make your workers the most important people because they are let your employees know their opinions are valued don't micromanage praise often and criticize only when necessary Hire talented people. Great bosses surround themselves with smart, savvy employees. Your workforce is a reflection of who you are, so choose and manage wisely. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business Bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's Cynthia Bryan, Bryan with an I, dot com. Be the star you The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Be the star you are. Org. Dare to care. You are the star. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Well, thank you so much for staying with me. I know we had a a nice long conversation there with Gerald Everett Jones. I did want to make one kind of fun announcement. I was just notified that the podcast magazine has named me as one of their 22 unsung heroes in 
podcasting. Um, and you can find that at podcastmagazine.com forward slash 22 unsung heroes. Uh, the print version is going to be available soon, but this is for um, express yourself for producing the teen show. So that's really exciting. And I'm very thrilled. Well, we don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to try to give you just a little bit of info on taxes if you've started a new business so you can avoid an IRS headache. And I can always pick it up um, the next week if we don't get it through. Because um, whether by desire or necessity, so many people are launching businesses or just starting side gigs. And that really was, a, um, I think, a, a repercussion of the pandemic. So over the 12-month period that ended November of 2021, 3.6 million Americans filed IRS paperwork hinting that they were starting a business. And they didn't give any indication that they planned to hire anyone. So that is, um, that is up from an average of 2.1 million over the same number of months pre-pandemic. So for new new entrepreneurs, tax rules can be really uh, baffling. So there's a few things that anybody who's starting a business needs to know. And boy, it is a learning curve. So you have to draw really clear lines. Um, The IRS wants you to have a business, not a hobby. So keep your business finances separate from your personal finances. And that means setting up a checking account and a credit card for business expenses and income separate from your household. And then you will have to have an identification number, an EIN. And if you're a sole proprietor, you could just use your social security number, but if you really want to be professional, get an EIN, which is an employer identification number, and it it guards you more against ID theft. So that is a good thing. Now that's for the employer, not for the employees. If you're doing your own withholding, employers typically handle employees withholding for income tax and FICA, that's Medicare and Social Security. But if you're the boss, this is your job. So you want to reserve at least 25% of your net income to pay taxes. It does feel like that's really high, but you're going to have federal and maybe state income taxes and that 15.3% FICA bill that employees usually pay only half of. Now, you don't want to wait till April to pay, you know, that April 15th. If you're freelancing, you're going to have to make some quarterly estimated payments. If you skip those, you could have some penalties. And, um, you know, you would get a refund if you if it turns out that you overpaid. Now, make sure that when you do your annual returns, that you are reporting correctly. You don't put self-employment income directly on your 1040 form. You have to use a Schedule C, and that form which you file with your income taxes is going to enable you to calculate the dollar amount to enter on your 1040. And you can deduct things, you know, so deduct what's permitted. Schedule C is where you would deduct expenses, business expenses, I mean. And that would be, you know, rent and office supplies and um, any kind of training, um, possibly health insurance premiums, telephone, computer, shipping. And deductions can really help cut off some of your taxes. So you have to keep really good records. 
My advice is to get an accountant, a bookkeeper, somebody that knows how to do it. You probably don't want to do this on your own because, you know, the last thing you want is to have the IRS coming down your back. So, but those are just a few things that you can do. And then as far as uh, sales and excise taxes, they get less attention than income tax, but, you know, they can take a bite out of your salary too. The states that have a full sales tax on groceries are Alabama, Hawaii, Idaho, Kansas, Mississippi, Oklahoma, and South Dakota. So, um, and of course, you know, we have a lot of gas taxes now. California is probably the highest. I think it's a, probably around 70 cents a gallon now for taxes. So taxes are something that we're not going to be able to get out of, but it's better to pay your taxes than to die in any way, shape, or form. Well, that's our show for today. I thank you so much for being great listeners, allowing me into your life every week. Make sure you're tuned to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. You can change your life. You can make your dreams come true. And you can also find, you know, the success spurts that can help you in your life. For more information about Star Style Productions or me, Cynthia Bryan, visit CynthiaBryan.com. You can also purchase any of my books there. And they're on a discount at the moment. And again, CynthiaBryan.com. Or to make a donation to Be The Star You Are, charity that brings you this radio show and the radio show express yourself visit be the star you are.org and don't forget that we are sponsoring a completely free you don't have to donate anything a writing class a virtual writing class for kids ages 9 to 14 starting this saturday more information at be the star you are.org so take advantage of that it, it'll be fantastic my aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. See beyond your physical being. Know you are already the star you dreamed of becoming. Cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And, you know, read a book this week. A book is like a garden in your pocket. And if you like mysteries, I will suggest The Preacher Raises the Dead, an Evan Wycliffe mystery by Gerald Everett Jones. So until next week, when we celebrate once again here on the Star Style Playground, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style. I thank you and encourage you. Be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self. Go out into the world, make a difference, dream, create and inspire and be here next Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific and join us on Express Yourself Teen Radio Sundays at 3 p.m. right here on Voice America Network Empowerment Channel. Thanks so much. Ciao for now. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. 
For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.